Set your phasers to sexy Welcome, loyal listeners of True North Nerds. This is uh, a bit of an experiment. We're calling this True North Nerds Extra, where uh, we're going to do things that don't really fit in with the regular episodes. Uh, I guess we've kind of done these before with uh, various guests who have popped on and things like that, but this is going to be a semi-regular thing, or at least until I'm allowed to go out and do things outside of my home. (laughs) So what we are doing here is what I'm calling one question, where I get a couple panelists together, ask them one question, and uh, see what their answer is. This week on the panel, we have first up, he has been a semi-regular on our show. He is the one of the co-hosts of the Kings of Sport. He is also the main host of the Rocky Maya Picture Show, which you have heard me rant and rave about on our show a fair amount. He also does... Uh, am I allowed to say what NWA stands for, Nate? I'll allow it. <laughs> the Nubian Wrestling Associates podcast. Did I get that correct? The Nubian Wrestling Advocates. And yes, Advocates. that is the, that uh, is the, uh, the, the N-word that you are allowed to say, my brother. Okay. <laughs> Just making sure. Just making sure. Because the last thing I want to do is hear a click from you, Nate. Because we have <laughs> known each other for a while. And I love working with you. And if uh, Fox or ESPN knew better, they would be hiring you after the end of this crisis. Because... Mm. You are a great fit for any sports broadcaster out there. But you are also a great nerd. That's why we've had you. Next up, you heard him on our Picard review. He is the one of the co-hosts of Compo- Composers, the movie score podcast. And he has been my friend for Let me 20 years at this point. Oh, my God. <laughs> Mr. Alex Kruger. We're pushing 25, pal. 25? Oh, Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> At this point, is it a friendship or is it just like we know where each other's bodies are buried too much and it would just be a bad thing if we didn't talk? <laughs> it's not a friendship. It's an obligation. Yeah, like humans, humans like stability. And so changing anything at this point would just cause crisis. <laughs> and our third panelist, you just heard her voice. She is an editor with Valiant Comics and also has done work with Marvel, Image. Uh, anybody else I'm missing right now? Disney and Lucasfilm. Oh, Disney Ooh. and Lucasfilm. Oh. She, yeah. she you worked might, you might do to remember those, Brent. Jesus. <laughs> it's a okay. little mom and pop outfit. Yeah, you know. <laughs> She's working on a, a title right now that I am chomping at the bit to get because... Shadow Man just looks so cool. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much. Yeah, I, I I have to say, you know, I've been working on that book for a year now and to have it delayed because of a, a global pandemic is just, oh, it kills me. <laughs> 
I am so looking forward to it, especially like I'm not usually a comic book art guy. Like mm-hmm. I, I love comic book art, but it, I don't follow books for for the artist. It's usually the combination of writer and artist. For sure. But John Davis Hunt. I mean, he's the best. Jeez, oh, I, I he killed it on the Wild Storm, and then I went back and picked up uh, the Clean Room. Is that yep. the yeah? Just yep. yeah. like that's I've the book that got him Wild Storm. Yeah. Yeah, that's the book that got him hired for this. Yeah, he he just oh, wrapped wow. doing Wildstorm, the the reboot with Warren Ellis at DC. Oh my God! Okay, that's uh, amazing. Yes, it is. It is amazing. <laughs> and the minute I saw that he was on a superhero kind of horror book, was like, oh, that's a, just a perfect fit. Yeah. Well, so thanks. the question that I've asked these three panelists and myself is, what is the Worst bad movie that you like. A movie that you know is bad, but you like it all the same. So uh, we'll start with Heather, since she's a little bit of the newbie. What movie did you go with? Okay, so I have two. And and I'm still, like, up to the moment debating. But I have to... All right, I'll go through the one that I've watched the longest. Okay. Because I have a tradition with this one, of watching this one. Ooh. Uh, so it's a little movie. Uh, you might have heard of it. Came out, I think, in two thousand three, uh, starring Hugh Jackman, uh, Van Helsing. Oh. <laughs> when Universal first tried to launch, relaunch their monster universe. Yeah. Uh, I am obsessed with this movie. Uh, I watch it every year on Halloween. I've not missed that tradition. Um, and I've done it for 11 years now. Um, and I don't it, like it's it's so bad. The CG does not hold up the story. The whole game's like, the whole movie's like a video game. Like it, it runs like a video game. The acting is bad. The accents are terrible. Oh, but oh, my God, it is so much fun. <laughs> You're right. It looks just like a video game cutscene because everybody has the Bioware face mm-hmm. where they don't really emote. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I I am old enough that I believe I saw that not only at the, in theaters, but at the drive-in as well. I think you I, might have oh, seen man. it at the drive-in with me. Yeah, oh, and I, man. Yeah, and I want to say the uh, the theater might have been a date. It, <laughs> it's, it might have been whichever girl I was seeing at the time. They, yeah, I was it, in the back seat. I was, I was the, uh, I was the chaperone. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, that's a good pick, Heather. So it's, every Halloween, eh? Every Halloween. Yeah, I, I, it started because I was in college when I did it the first time. And it was just, I had no plans. I think it was like a Saturday or something. And I was just going to paint. And so like that was in my lineup of movies that I threw on. And it's just kind of been tradition. I watch it every Halloween uh, I've not missed it ever since. It's just, it's one of those like comfort films now, you know, it's feel good. I know it so well. And it's just so ridiculous. Like so many funny one-liners and like the plot doesn't make sense. I don't know how Kate Beckinsale, like how you're supposed to believe that she can fucking like fight or do anything. And those, that corset <laughs> and boots get up that she's wearing. That <laughs> outfit does not lend itself to athletics in any way, shape or form. No. It's, it's a tactical corset. Yeah, yeah, no, it, 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 
Like, it, that film came out, like, in the prime, you know, when, like, the vampire werewolf thing mm. was really, like, it, it it wasn't overdone yet. Well, Beckinsale was queen of that, too, because she, she did all was. the movies. Yeah, exactly. She did all the underworld. Yeah. So, yeah, it's it's just, it's so much fun. Such a popcorn flick. And, uh, you know, I can't wait to watch it this Halloween. That's that's also part of the the era where Universal was trying to grab onto the anime market a little bit, mm-hmm. and what the Matrix had done because there's the animated prequel to Van Helsing as yes. well, and they had done that. They, right I think they the Matrix. You're right. Yeah, and they had done that with uh, uh, Riddick the the same year, the the following one of the two, where Riddick had the the animated anime style movie prequel to lead up to it be, like that took place in between uh pitch black and riddick so yeah. well, the amount of money that must have been spent on that movie is fantastic so much cg too so much really really bad cg <laughs> yeah it was it was bargain it wasn't even good then <laughs> it was exactly like they went down to some South American despot and like went to a back alley somewhere and was like, "Can you make this movie for us for like thirty pesos and I'll give you a kidney and just don't ask where it came from?" Yeah. <laughs> Could you make my CG look more like the PlayStation One? <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> and and Nate is familiar with those types of special effects because he uh, has done the Scorpion King. Yes. <laughs> and you look at the video game of the Scorpion King uh, that came out at the same time, and it looks better than the film <laughs> does. Hey, but guys, you know what? After all of this, they still don't have a monster universe. Mm. <laughs> no, they do <laughs> not. He- trying and it's yep. just not working <laughs> it's it like fetch it's not gonna happen oh yep. man it just it it fell on its face like right out of the starting gate it was like wow and it just <laughs> pulled a hamstring ripped an acl or something and just fucking face planted i couldn't believe yeah. how bad those movies were when they came out yeah oh yeah it's just oh a great, a great pick, Heather. Thank From you. Heather, we'll go, over, we'll go over to Nate. Nate, what is your your favorite bad movie? Well, here's the thing, Brent Chittenden. I, I had to do some soul searching with this because much like when you come on uh, the Chain Reaction and, and do the uh, wrestling pay-per-view post shows, one of the categories is always, what was the worst match of the night? And you always bring up that there's a difference between the worst match in the sense of something being bad and worst in, in the sense of something being disappointing, you know? And so I had to look because there's, there's a lot of bad movies I could have picked, but in terms of a bad movie, well, a movie that society thinks is bad. Cause I will not be bound by social media. <laughs> uh, a movie that society thinks is bad, but, but that I love. And, and it also made like $55 million by. So take that head. Uh, and it's something that I had before. Let's go to 2004. A movie called Blade Trinity. Ah. Yeah. Oh, fuck yes. Talk I want to vampires. see the rationale behind this one. <laughs> oh, I, Brent, this is a movie where it, it feels like New Line Cinema did like a focus group. <laughs> but, but a focus <laughs> just me. Because they're like, oh, what would Nate Milton like to see? movie okay uh black superhero check 
uh, uh, soundtrack done by the RZA, check. Uh, the, the wonderful and talented magnanimous Parker Posey, check. Uh, your, your man Triple H, we got a wrestler in the movie, check. We got action scenes, check. Comedy, check. Uh, it, 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 it doesn't all quite come together, Brent. It's, it's like a casserole that, that's not quite done all the way through, but you get one of those little edge pieces and it can hit the spot. And that's what Blade Trinity is for me, Brent. Like, I think, yes, I'm excited. We talked, we talked about the, the, the new Blade. Uh, like, I'm excited to see what the Mahershala does with the role. But to me, like, this is Wesley Snipes, man. Wesley Snipes is Blade in my mind. He's the voice that I hear when I read Blade comic books from time to time. And, yeah, he might have been a little difficult behind the scenes, but that's because the man, <laughs> the man, Brent Chittenden, the man was trying to steal his movie from him and give him to, give it to Ryan Reynolds and, and, and Jessica Peel. And and if I was Wesley Snipes, I would have felt some type of way about that too. Like, no, now you want to give it to the to the handsome, pretty white Canadian man when I did all this hard work in Blade One and Blade Two. Uh, Parker Posey is is. Parker Posey should not be in this movie. Like, there's no reason Parker Posey should be in this movie. But I love Parker Posey in this movie because she's she's in a completely different ocean picture than Wesley Snipes and 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 uh your, your man uh, Dominic Purcell uh that that plays Dracula in the movie. Like, she's in a completely different movie from those guys. But I'm liking what she's putting out here. Triple H for a wrestler, he's not terrible. He's not good by any stretch, but he's not. Terrible. He's, he does what you need Triple H to do in this movie. Uh, and then you've got, again, the soundtrack, like the, the, the Rizza music. I think like New Line Cinema had no idea who any of the Wu-Tang Clan members were, and they just wanted a quote-unquote urban sound. And it doesn't fit <laughs> the movie that they put on the screen, but it fits for Nate Milton. And so for me, Brent, this is my favorite bad movie of all time. Oh yeah, <laughs> I get. That. There's not much I can argue with you about on that one. The 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 Parker Posey being in a different movie. I love it when you find mo- bad movies like that where there is some good actors really trying to pull their weight, and, <laughs> well, that's, and that's, it's that's, not. That's Venom for me. Like that's that new Ooh. Venom movie. Like you know, like uh, Tom Hardy. He was in a completely different film. Mm. <laughs> No, uh, uh, the it's weird. It's superhero movies stick out to me. For me, it's uh, the first Nicolas Cage Ghost Rider. Where oh, same when uh, <laughs> what's his name is in a completely different. I was going to say Sam Neill. That's wrong. No. Uh, <laughs> oh, what's his name? Mustache. Uh, the first, cowboy. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I wish I could help. I've never seen those he, movies. Oh. He's, he, was uh, in, he was in Tombstone. Uh, and Sam Elliott. Yes. Oh, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Mustache. Absolutely mustache. Yeah. And he's in a completely <laughs> different movie than Nicolas Cage is in. And, and Peter Fonda. Sam Elliott and Peter Fonda were making a really good <laughs> Ghost Rider movie and they didn't tell anybody else about to be, it. To be fair, Nicolas Cage is usually in a different film than anyone else he's filming with. <laughs> That's. That's true. I went and rewatched Con Air recently, and I was like, "What the fuck is going on?" <laughs> I got alerted to it. It's a movie. Maybe we'll talk about it at another point. Uh, uh, called Dead Drop that he's in. Yeah, just like yes. eight different accents throughout the movie for no apparent reason. Oh, wow. I mean, <laughs> I wouldn't say he does eight different accents. I think he attempts eight different accents. (laughs) 
so Blade Trinity, is this one of those movies that you, you will stop if you see it on TV and sit down and watch, Nate? Absolutely. I don't even need to do that, though, Brent, because I own the DVD Hell for my yeah. home library, so I can watch it with the director's <laughs> commentary whenever I want, Brent. <laughs> What's the director's commentary like that? Because we've all we've heard the stories mainly from Patton Oswald mm. doing a number of stints saying how insane it was to be on that film set. Well, well see, Brent, it's it's uh, you can call it Blade. <laughs> It's the director and Ryan Reynolds doing the commentary, oh, and so, so good. Uh, it's 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 good, but it's also biased. I, but you know the the winners history, so it's like okay, get it. You know, you guys won, so you could cast Wesley Snipes as the bad guy in this in this drama behind the scenes. But uh, yeah, man, like I I love just the weird stories. Like uh, I think they tell one story where Wesley's in a mood, and uh, Parker Posey is just like trying to get through to him and, and she's like Wesley darling what's the problem and like in my head I'm imagining that scene where Wesley Snipes thinks he's blown in the movie Blade Parker Posey is trying to talk sense to this man with vampire fangs in a mouth like this this is the content that I'm here for <laughs> uh, I, I can't argue with that so which <laughs> we move over to Alex now before we get to your pick Part of you emailed me and asked me something that I thought was a really good question when it comes to talking about bad movies. Is it is it a bad movie because it's a bad movie or is it a good is it a movie that everybody thought what they were making was good that is just absolutely terrible? Mm. So I'm curious in those in, in that sort of realm what you went with. OK, so I'll tell you the first thing I did. Because my immediate reaction was to go to a film that was intentionally bad. Or that was intentionally a particular way that you could go, this is a bad movie, but it's still a lot of fun. Um, I, I considered films like um, Army of Darkness. Uh, because that's a movie that knows that it's bullshit. Like, it knows it's a bad movie. <laughs> and they're just leaning in. By the time they did that movie, they were leaning into it. The other film that I considered was Cabin Fever. Um, oh, the Eli Roth film. The, uh, the Eli Roth movie, which again knows it's a bad movie because there's enough humor in it that you can tell. Like, there's a there's a very bizarre joke involving a shopkeeper at the beginning, and they show up. You know, the kids that are going to eventually get killed show up, and and there's a a, a rifle above the uh, the bar, and they're like, "Oh, what's the rifle for?" And the guy uses a racial slur, which was shocking even back in 2000 and whatever when I saw it. And then, but it gets paid off at the end of the movie because it turns out that he's friends with these guys that come in to go hunting. And they have apparently that relationship where that's okay to say. So it's, that was part of the reason I didn't go with this movie because a lot of the humor is really dated and doesn't really age very well. Okay. So even though it knows it's bad, it's like, uh, this is really cringy. So instead, I went with a safe bet and a film that I've been a fan of all the way since uh, 1997 when it came out for about 10 seconds in theaters and then went directly probably to DVD. The Paul W.S. Anderson classic, Event Horizon. Oh, oh yes! <laughs> That's another Halloween ritual film. Mm. <laughs> Yes. Love the shit out of this movie. It's 
Hellraiser in space. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> my headcanon is it's part of the Hellraiser universe. It super duper is. It would have been a such better ending if um, if Sam Neill had come back at the end and it hadn't been Sam Neill, but it was Pinhead instead. Yeah. That would have been so dope. But this movie is like it's 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 Larry Fishburne in a very early role. It's pre Matrix. Uh, Sam Neill, as mentioned, Kathleen Quinlan, Julie Richardson. The uh, the score is done by Michael Kamen, and it is weird because <laughs> Paul W S Anderson actually. I we did a, a an episode about Event Horizon on my podcast very early when we started because I love this movie and. Turns out Michael Kamen was directed by Paul Anderson, Paul W.S. Anderson, to um, basically collaborate with an electronica band called Orbital. Mm. Who, it just, it like it made no sense. It felt like they were trying to go for like the Terminator score or something to that effect where it was kind of like partly electronic and partly uh, orchestral. And it wound up being really weird. But this movie is preposterous it's like the concept is played out Uh, yeah (laughs) like it's an ancient concept we we, like they did like twilight zone episodes about this kind of shit in the 50s and at the same time this is a film where i get to see jason isaacs look down the barrel of a camera with all of the gravitas that he has today as like a proper actor this was back at the beginning of his career going the ship is fucked. And <laughs> when your two crowning moments, dialogue-wise, in your movie are, this ship is fucked, and fuck this ship, <laughs> comes up later, because it is my, one of my absolute favorite exchanges of all time in a film is Lawrence Fishburne and Sam Neill trading off, because Sam Neill's been taken over by the ship by this time. You can't leave her! And, and, and Lawrence Fishburne turns around, and you can get you can you have that like sense of where he's gonna be when he's Morpheus just a couple of years later because he turns around and he goes, I have no intention of leaving her, Doctor. I intend to take the Lewis and Clark to a safe distance and launch TAC missiles at the event horizon until I'm certain she's been vaporized. Fuck this shit. And I'm like, Yes! And it's like a it's like an Independence Day moment for me. Every time you go, fuck this ship. Yeah! You're right. And it's bad. It's just a bad movie. The, who designs a spaceship like that? They design them like the Hilton. This this thing looks like it was designed by H.R. Geiger. It's not a good look. Who wants to live on this fuck with that weird, like, you got to go down the big corridor that's basically a meat grinder and shit? Like, that's not, that's not a good time. Nobody wants to go to Neptune on this fucking thing, and yet they do. And... Everything about this movie is just gets progressively sillier, right down to the like knockdown, drag out grunge batch that they have at the end of this like Lovecraftian horror movie. It just comes down to a fist fight between Lawrence Fishburne and on fire Sam Neill for no reason. (laughs) Terrible CGI fire at that. Oh, oh, the CGI is bad. The Foley is worse. Go back and listen to that scene. And it, it sounds like they're just banging empty canisters off of off of concrete. <laughs> Dunk, bonk, and it's just it's worse. <laughs> the the interesting thing about this is it also this movie it also brings up like what could have been in a completely 
different and possibly good, possibly terrible ways is so Paul W.S. Anderson was off of the success of Mortal Kombat and he gets handed Mortal Mortal Kombat Annihilation, which he passed on, (laughs) which wisely so, sir. Good job on that one. But also passed on X-Men to do this movie. Like in an alternate universe, we got a Paul W.S. Anderson X Men movie, and that's interesting. I you don't know, know if it would have been good, but it would have been interesting. If it was a Paul W.S. Anderson like New Mutants film, I'd watch that. Honestly, I'd watch a Brian Singer Event Horizon too. That's yeah. Well, it would be other fucking than, bizarre, but I other would than it. his uh, his current issues <laughs> um, i mean yes all things being equal i would enjoy yeah. a brian singer. <laughs> no i, I know See, if it's, i was able to enjoy a brian singer anything i would yeah enjoy. it's you look at usual suspects on the shelf and it's like oh it's such a good movie but i just but who's in it and who yeah <laughs> it's, like, it's just no it's it, it'll, it'll stay on the shelf i probably won't get rid of it but the chances of me watching it very slim to none <laughs> So uh, the reason I brought this topic up is because there is a terrible movie that I was introduced to that I have become borderline obsessed with. (laughs) And first of all, congratulations to all three of you. Nobody brought up the room. I'm very happy about this. (laughs) That's 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 an easy answer. (laughs) Yeah. And it's, yeah, it's fun, but it's like, oh, that's what everybody goes with. You guys had really interesting and unique picks. My pick is an independent action movie from 1987 about a group of Taekwondo students who also have a new wave rock band that fight drug dealing ninjas called Miami Connection. It is a phenomenal movie that is absolutely terrible because these people did not know what they were doing. They they were all non-actors, save for one or two people. And it's just the songs that the band plays tell you what's going on in the movie. (laughs) The effects are terrible. The fact that the movie is called Miami Connection and only two two minutes of it take place in Miami. Well, that's all you need. It's it's the connection to the rest of the film. <laughs> I suppose, <laughs> but it is it is just so great. I I was introduced to this. Uh, I had seen it once. Uh, somebody showed it to me. I'm like, ah, yeah, that's fun. And then I saw it with a crowd of people at uh, on a. Uh, uh, it's the also a weird setting. It was a comic book convention on a cruise ship that I got to to work that was awesome and will never happen again. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, I got to see it with a crowd and like, oh, this is a lot of fun. And then like it came up in my feed one day on Blu-ray. And not only did you get the Blu-ray, you got the songs from the movie as a download code. Oh, well, (laughs) how do you pass that up? Exactly. It is absolutely phenomenal. But it, it was like it falls into that category that Alex talked about when he emailed me is like this is a movie that everybody who was involved in this movie or at least the principals thought they were making an interesting, good action yeah. movie. What they made was not that. 
That's so funny. You know, when you started describing it, you, you, I almost thought you were talking about another one of my favorite bad movies, which okay. is called Dancing Ninja. Well, I have not seen Dancing Ninja. Oh, well, it stars David Hasselhoff. Oh, and, now it's, and we're talking gold now. I'm and uh, Lucas Grabeel, uh, or Grable, who you may know from uh, High School Musical fame. Uh, and it is basically a Moses found child. Like He's just left on a doorstep. Uh, white kid, blonde hair, blue eyes, Lucas Grabeel. Uh, raised in China and wants to grow up and be a ninja. And so he trains to be a ninja by playing DDR. Oh, boy. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, yeah, don't don't want to spoil too much, but it uh, turns out David Hasselhoff is his evil ninja father, and they have to do a dance-off ninja mm. style. It's really great. I highly recommend it. Dancing ninja. <laughs> That sounds like a fever dream. <laughs> was oh, was and, that and, your... and, and uh, one of the property brothers is in it. Oh, oh well, <laughs> dancing ninja. Was that your uh, your runner up? Because you did say when we we did your pick that you had a runner runner up that you no, were no. debating between. My runner up is uh, the Kissing Booth, which was a teen romance movie that came out on Netflix last year. And oh my god, it is the most cringe of cringe worthy <laughs> bad. Like it's so bad. It's painfully bad. I, I yell at my TV every time I watch it, but I can't stop like forcing my friends to watch this movie. I can't. And I, and I have to watch it with them because I have to experience their pain while they watch it too. Oh my Is God. It... I, I feel where you're coming from Heather, because one of the, one of the names on my list that I just could not in any good conscience do was the boondock saints. Yes, <laughs> one of the most like toxic movies ever to have been made, but it's kind of fun yeah. in like the worst possible way. But I was just like, I can't do this movie. This is just there's nothing good to be said about this. <laughs> Did you have any runners up, Nate? I had some uh, some some culturally significant picks, you know, from from my upbringing as a, as a young youth here in Virginia, Brent. Uh, one of them, uh, again, th this might have been, you know, forget John Stewart or, or or forget Jefferson Pierce or forget Luke Cage, the, the real black superhero that might have ignited that spark of, of oh, nerddom I, in I me. I know where this is going. Is a man named Robert Townsend. And he was the <laughs> be a man, Brent. <laughs> a meteor man. The medium man. You know, and like David Hasselhoff and Dancing Ninja, that's a bad casting choice for your top heel. Yeah, but, but he but, but he danced. But Medium Man's <laughs> top villain was played by the late great Luther Vandross. It's like, what <laughs> oh, what shit. are we doing here? <laughs> really? What that's are we crazy. doing here? <laughs> Until you said Robert Townsend, I put it 50-50 that you were going with that or Pootie Tang. Oh, Pootie Tang is just a cinematic triumph. That 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 doesn't belong on this show at all. Pootie <laughs> Tang is amazing. Um, it's Sparked my love of vigilanteism. <laughs> with a belt? <laughs> with a belt, Brent. Now, Sada your, 
one of your podcasts, you have been slowly reviewing the film career of one Dwayne The Rock Johnson. So far, what's the worst movie that you've come across in, in his uh, filmography? Doom, and it's not even close. Like, Doom yeah. is running away with, yeah. the, with the field right now. I was to say, or Scorpion King? Yeah, Scorpion King's bad, but it's it's his first film, and I can kind of give him a pass on that. Plus, Michael Clark Duncan's kind of fun. Uh, but Doom is just, it's it's one of these movies that, that waste the rock's talent. And I feel like those are the worst rock movies where you've got this dude who might not be the greatest actor in the world, but he's charismatic and he's charming and people like to spend 90 minutes with this dude. And if you can make him boring or abrasive, that's a bad job by you as a filmmaker. And I, I just can't get into doom. It, it did lead to one of the, uh, I will say this in, until I am dead, one of the, the best interview segments I've ever seen with The Rock. They were doing what the, uh, what were they called? Uh, VKMs, like those those video packages that would be like behind the scenes footage that they would use to sell the movie and eventually would wind up on, like bits of them would wind up on like Entertainment Tonight and stuff like that. And they had The Rock doing the set tour. And he gets to this one lab and he's like, and, and he's really excited because he's one of those guys who will sell the movie until it's done. Yes. <laughs> and he's like, and behind this door, behind the door is everything that my character has ever wanted. It is just the, all that he wants, all that he needs. Well, that and pie. He wants what's behind this door and pie. <laughs> <laughs> and just how he sold it was just amazing. It's one of those interview segments that, like, when that movie came out, and I still remember it. It's still in my head. Uh, if anybody have any last parting words about bad movies that you enjoy? Like, the, is there a philosophy behind it for your choices? Like, I, I'm a guy who I will openly admit that I like watching some bad movies just because they're so bad. And it looks like uh, Heather is one of those people as well. So is, is there, is there something that in a bad movie that has to be there for you to enjoy it? Well, I guess the thing for me is, you know, if it entertains you, it's a good movie. At the end of mm. the day, a film's job is to entertain you. Um, does it make sense? Probably not. You know, that's that's probably one of the, the qualifiers for a bad film. You know, plot doesn't make sense. Characters are out of character. You know, all, all of those things you can break down. Bad CGI, whatever. But if it's entertaining, it's a good movie. <laughs> that, that's, a, that's an excellent point. Because I got a buddy, uh, Brent, uh, Bob France, who, who used to host radio down here. And, uh, you know, he's done some podcasts and, he, and he's a... Uh, uh, now he's a comic author and, and he's just a really interesting cat. And, and I can spend like 30 minutes with him just talking about the 86 Mets. And I don't even like the 86 Mets, but I like talking to Bobby <laughs> about stuff. Uh, and and uh, one day, I don't know how, but we got onto the topic of bad music and, and guilty pleasures. And he was like, well, you know, Nate, I feel like once you get to a certain point in life, you don't have guilty pleasures anymore because something that brings you pleasure shouldn't bring you guilt if it doesn't harm anybody. And I'm like, you know what, Bobby? You're kind of right, man. So, like, especially in these times, Brent, where we're looking for any type of, of stress relief or, or, or joy or, or uplifting that we can uh, in these times, I say if you like a bad movie, man, it, then, then it's good for you. If you like cats, 
I don't know what's wrong with you, but if you like cats, <laughs> God bless you and go watch the hell out of cats because that brings you joy in these troubling times. Alex, do you have I'm anything actually, to add? Yeah, I'm really glad that you brought that up, Nate, because I think it's I think it's important for 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 everybody to kind of bear in mind when you're looking at bad films. And again, this is something that I I came across when looking at stuff like you know, the Boondock Saints or, or Cabin Fever or whatever, I'm looking at these films and going, they're bad movies. Um, they're movies that I might enjoy, but it's important to also bear in mind and, and keep that that moral barometer of like, because there are, there are certain films and certain things. I, I was asked recently, uh, we had a, a caller, um, like, a, like a, a fan kind of email our show and, and go like, oh, I'd love for you guys to do Ace Ventura. And I'm like, man, I don't really want to do Ace Ventura because regardless what the score is like, the whole movie is predicated on like a bad, like transphobic joke. Mm-hmm. And so like, if you have an attachment to a movie like that, I don't think that you should necessarily feel guilty or bad because this was something that maybe has some kind of sentimental value to you or something like that. But I think it's super duper important for us in 2020 to kind of have a certain amount of our, our little Jiminy cricket on our shoulder, just to remind us that like, just because you think this movie's so great, like one of my favorite uh, movies growing up was, uh, was chasing Amy, Kevin Smith's chasing Amy mm. and Holy shit. Does that movie not age? Well, no. um, like, whoa, woof. Right. But I can look at it and I can situate it in its time and go for 1990, whatever it came out. Maybe this was a progressive film. Maybe like maybe that was where it was at that time. And I can then put it in that little box and go, okay, I can appreciate that piece of art for what it was when it was made. I don't have to like it now. I don't have to defend it now. I can just go, I used to like that thing, and now I'm more grown up, and I understand the world better, and maybe I don't agree with the message of that movie anymore. And I don't mean to be like all SJW or anything, but it. I, I really do think, when, it, especially when it comes to bad movies, there's so many bad movies that are bad for good reason. Mm-hmm. And I don't think any of the movies that we brought up tonight fall into that category, but I think it behooves like a, a really good like fan, like a really good nerd to be mindful and be critical about what they consume. Even, even if it might be nostalgic, even if it might be something they loved growing up, just be, just be mindful of the fact that the, you know, the zeitgeist might've moved on from that. Yeah. So you're saying I should get rid of my autographed copy of song of the South then. That's what I'm hearing. Yeah. Like, I mean, Maybe, maybe not. Like, it's probably worth something to some racist piece of shit. Yes. Oh, the sad thing is, is uh, listeners heard me mention it a while ago. Nate and I did an entire podcast about racism in in nerd culture and where to go with it. That unfortunately, my computer has made disappear like before Mm. it went out. I will say one of the most disappointing things about uh, you know aside from ob- the, the blatant racism in song of the south the music in that movie is so good <laughs> yes it's splash mountain splash mountain is an amazing ride i know right yes it's and so it's fueled good. by racism exactly. <laughs> rushing water and racism <laughs> It's a metaphor for America. 
Uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> on on that note, uh, thank you guys for for joining me for this little experiment. I'm going to go around the the virtual table here and uh, allow you guys to tell everybody who listens to this show where they can find you. Let's start with you, Alex. Uh, well, I'm. You can find me uh, on Twitter. Uh, my personal account is Alex James Tunes because I still pretend to be a musician every now and again. But my the big thing I do now is Composers, the Movie Score podcast, which you can find at ComposersPod.com or on Instagram and Twitter at the same handle. Uh, you can email us at ComposersPodcast at Gmail. And uh, we're actually part of a, a local Toronto podcast group called uh, That Shelf, uh, which you can find us with about a half a dozen other uh, really dope podcasts here in the city that are all making uh, content and you should listen to them and you should listen to true north nerds and you should listen to everything that is about to be said right after i finished talking <laughs> nate where can people find you this is gonna be a long list <laughs> yes yes <laughs> settle in settle in ladies and gentlemen uh but yeah brent uh pleasure talking with you as always my brother and, and good to meet uh, heather and alex uh this evening uh if you want to hear more from me uh, uh various topics sports wrestling pop culture uh race uh why blade trinity is, is a national treasure <laughs> uh, you can check me out on the Kings of Sport, which is myself and Marcus Vandenberg. We just recently started a series following the ESPN documentary, The Last Dance, which is all about talking about the final year of the 97-98 Chicago Bulls championship and all the drama behind the scenes. So our first episode on that will be out sometime uh, in... I don't know when this is coming out, Brent. I have to talk to future Brent about that. Uh, but it's coming out soon. It's not already out. Uh, how about that? Uh, and, and we've got a Patreon, patreon.com backslash Kings of Sport, where we've got uh, a couple MCU reviews up. We've got a show called The 20 Twin Twin, which is a political show featuring myself and Chris Ely, who's a political scientist out in L.A. Uh, we've got uh, TD, TD Talks, TDT Talks, uh, if I can get my tongue to work right. Um that's a new show that we just recently started with the, me and a bunch of my podcast friends just kind of shooting the breeze and letting out all of our frustrations and thoughts uh, as we all go through this uh, troubling time together uh, and, and a bunch of stuff on the channel. Uh, five bucks gets you in the door. If you want to pay more, that's cool. Uh, but if not, you know, $5 gets you all this bonus content. In addition to that, there is the Rocky Mavia Picture Show, which Brent mentioned, which is a uh, production for myself and the good people at Post Wrestling, uh, John Pollock and Wei Ting. And we just released a T-shirt this week that is uh, pretty pretty clever, pretty nifty, if I do say so myself. And we're, we're going to continue to sell those until The Rock either buys us out or slaps us with a copyright infringement suit. So uh, get uh, I don't think he's the one you have to worry about. <laughs> I think it's the mouse you're going to have to worry about on that one. Uh, well, Heather, Heather's cool with Mickey. I can I can... I can get her to mediate things. Uh, but, yeah, you can check that out. Uh, get get the shirt if you want. Uh, and then, finally, uh, you can check me out on Twitter at in the number 8, M-O-Z-A-I-K, at Nate Mosaic. And there you'll find links to all the other shows I do, the Black Lightning Podcast, the main event, a bunch of other stuff. Uh, and yeah, some of it features Brent. So there's, there's the crossover right there. Yeah, man. I, I always like working with you, Nate. And I guess the... The next chain reaction will be for SummerSlam. If but there is, is that, a SummerSlam. If there is a SummerSlam. Um, 
Finally, we come to Heather. Thank you very much for joining us, Heather. Uh, I knew these two guys. I sort of knew you, but I thought you'd make a great fit. Where can people find you on the internet? Yeah, Brent, thanks for having me. This is fun. I'm always game to talk movies, especially ones that other people would be embarrassed to like. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I'm pretty easily stalkable at at HeatherAntos at Twitter.com. You can check me and my lovely new puppy posts there. Uh, Yeah. That's it. And, That's all I have. Your, I'm boring. And your various <laughs> uh, penguins. Well, yes, and my various pop culture penguin drawings, which I've been actually working on throughout this. So expect a few more after this. <laughs> all righty, Heather. You say you say you're boring, but I'm 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 looking at you and Nate because I'm 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 literally adding both of you on 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 Twitter right now, and I'm like, no, no, you guys aren't boring. I got like 150 <laughs> people following me. You guys are doing fine. <laughs> I don't know why the hell Brent brought me on. Because <laughs> I, I thought this group, of, it's like a dinner party, right? You want to invite the right group of people to mingle with it, one another to get some good conversation going, even okay. if it is about terrible movies. So with that, uh, thank you, loyal listeners. You, you had me at poutine, Brent. You had me at poutine. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, loyal listeners. We'll be back uh, next week with a regular episode. And who knows if uh, this goes over well, I might be trying to do with these with a couple more folks and getting the, the podcast worlds of all over the place together. Until then, hope you're all doing well and I hope you're all safe. And stop. You've been listening to the True North Nerds recorded at the Utility Cupcake Research Kitchen. Reach the nerds on Twitter at True North Nerds, on Facebook under, surprise, True North Nerds, and you can reach them by email at truenorthnerds at gmail.com. If you like the opening theme song, it's called Set Your Phasers to Sexy by Kirby Crackle from the album Sounds Like You. Please go to kirbycracklemusic.com or look them up on iTunes and buy everything that they have made. You won't regret it. So set your phasers to sexy.